Good morning, everybody. It is time for us to get into the word of the Lord for this morning. Uh, as you know, we're starting a new series today. It's just going to be a short series, kind of a transitional series uh, called New Wins. And it's about, um, uh, you know, running the next leg of the race. You know, when you come, uh, when you finish one leg of the race, you kind of run out of wind and you need a new wind uh, to inspire you, to encourage you and to empower you to run with endurance the next leg of the race. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, as we get started, uh, you know, school started this week um, for most of us, uh, many of us who have kids, uh, your school started and uh, it's all online, I think, for most of I know for, for Alethea, it's all online. And I was actually a little wary about um, what online education would be like. Like, will she still learn, like, as, as if she was in the classroom? And so she had two days of classes already. And I asked her, I was like, baby girl, uh, what did you learn so far in school? And uh, she's like, well, uh, she thought for a second, and then she's like, yeah, I learned about this um, uh, $10 founding father without a father who went a lot farther by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter. And when he was 14, they put him in charge of a trading charter. And word got around, people started saying, this kid is insane, man. And they took up a collection just to send him to the mainland, and he put a pencil and connected it to his brain, and he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his name. And uh, when they said, what's your name? He said, Alexander Hamilton. And I was like, wow, you learned all of that in school this week? That's, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. So, um, you know, I think uh, we're off to a good start. I think our kids are in good hands, and I think, uh, I think they're learning a lot. You know, it's kind of hard to try to be funny um, when you're just talking to a camera. Uh, I don't know if I just bombed right there or, uh, or what. I probably just bombed, but that's okay. Uh, that was intended to be a joke uh, for those of you who have seen Alexander Hamilton. All right, <laughs> let's just get into it. Uh, let's, let's open in prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into the word for the day. Uh, Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would send a new wind of the Holy Spirit to awaken our hearts, to awaken our minds, to awaken our spirits. God, I thank you, God, that you stand ready. You stand at the door ready uh, to take us to new heights in you. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be as willing as yours is. I pray it in Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about pressing toward the mark. If you need a new wind to run during the new leg of the journey, the question is, what are you running for? What do you need a new wind for? If you don't know what you're running toward or what you're running for, uh, you're going to lose stamina uh, during the journey. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. And so uh, this, this week I've been meditating on uh, Philippians chapter 3, in which Paul was basically asking the question, what do you want? And if you start with the question, what do you want? This is the all-important question. If you don't know what you want, anything will do. And um, so Paul, he, he tells us what he wants. He says, um, first of all, he says in verse 7, but whatever were gains... To me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You hear that? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. And then he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. That's what I want. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection 
and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And then he says in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, when we talk about goals, uh, first thing I want you to know is that you were created for joy. Okay, You were created for joy. Um, a lot of times, even, even when we talk about happiness, people will say, well, no, happiness is not a big deal. Happiness is circumstantial. You were created for happiness. I believe you were created to be happy. I believe you were created to be joyful. Uh, I believe that God created us for fullness of joy. The Bible talks too much about joy uh, for God not to have created us for it. And so it's, it's, it's important that we understand that. However, there are three different kinds of joy. And when you answer the question, what do you want? You have to keep in mind that there are really three different ways of answering this question. So in other words, um, you all know that I have had a, a lifelong struggle with my weight. Um, I was 241 pounds a year, a year and a half ago. I lost, uh, I was down to 188, which was a loss of uh, 54 pounds. And today I'm 210. So that's a gain of um, 22 pounds. So I've got to turn it around now and I've got to go back in that direction. But if you ask me what I want, I might. it depends on how I'm feeling at the moment, how I respond to that. I might say, I want to lose the weight. But there's another part of me that just wants to eat whatever I want to eat, whenever I want to eat it. So the question is, which do you want more? Do you want to eat whatever you want to eat or do you want to lose the weight? And the answer is yes, <laughs> but it's a conflict of desire because this is an area in which I can't have both at the same time. What I want is to have both at the same time and I cannot have both at the same time. And so what we have to understand when it comes to what we want is that you have two selves. You've got a wise self and you've got a foolish self. Your wise self wants what's good for you. Your foolish self wants what's good. <laughs> they both want, what, want what's good, but your foolish self wants what's good now, even if it sucks later. Your wise self want what's, wants what's good ultimately, even if it sucks now. So your wise self is willing to trade the now for a glorious later. Your foolish self is willing to trade the later for a glorious now. And your wise self knows that the glorious later is much longer than the glorious now. The glorious now is a moment. The glorious later is an entire future. And so the, the, the wants of the wise and foolish self, we've got to understand that both of those selves are on the inside of us and they're fighting. Now, I said there's three different levels of joy. Um, three different levels of joy. And um, there's a hierarchy there that we have to understand if we want to make the choice to gratify the desires of the wise self rather than the foolish self. Success in life is all about obeying the desires of the wise self and rejecting or contextualizing the desires of the foolish self. So the three levels of joy are pleasure, meaning, and communion. Pleasure, meaning, and communion. So you derive pleasure from the five senses of your body, from your taste and your touch and your smell, your sight, your hearing, um, 
Did I miss one? Taste, touch, smell, see, hear. Right. Those, those are the five senses. You derive pleasure through the physical body, through the five senses of the physical body. And so I want to eat the best food. That's a pleasure, right? I want to, I, I want to see the most beautiful things. I want to touch uh, the most, like I want to experience pleasure through my physical body. Um, and that's, that's a desire that every human being has. There's, it's not inherently an evil desire. Every human being has the desire for pleasure. And it's good. He gives us all things freely to enjoy. Uh, but then there's meaning. You derive meaning <clears throat> from your work, from the things that you do, from the product of your life. Meaning and value is what you create through your work. And so meaning, your quest for meaning is about starting things, about creating things, about producing things that are meaningful to people, about making a great contribution to the world, and about uh, achieving things, about being able to look at your life and say, I achieved that, I accomplished that. And that's meaning. It's about uh, creating value for your family. It's about buying your, your family a bigger house or nicer cars. And once again, it's not bad. Those things are great. God created us to make a contribution. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God himself ordained for us to walk in since before the world began. Right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, 10 or 11. Um, so meaning. But then the third level or the highest level of, of joy is communion. And communion is about the experience of relational oneness. That's what communion is. Communion is a compound word. Come means with and union, with union, with oneness, that experience of fellowship, of intimacy. That's actually the highest level of joy is communion. First and foremost, communion with God, and then as a consequence of communion with God, communion with one another, right? Our John says it in 1 John chapter 1, these things we write unto you that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John says that you might have communion with us. We write these things to you so that you might have communion with us, and truly our communion is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So John says, because we experience communion with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, we're inviting you to come into that communion as well so that we can all have communion together. The successful life, the life of the wise self, the life that prioritizes the desires of the wise self, prioritizes communion first, Meaning second, and pleasure third. Communion first, meaning second, and pleasure third. So the foolish self will either put pleasure first or meaning first. You put pleasure first, you don't care what it does to your destiny, what it does to your family, you're just going to enjoy what you want to enjoy. You're going to take what you want to take. You're just going to enjoy it. And we all, ex well, I, I speak for myself. I experience that every time I eat more ice cream. I'm, it's almost that, that foolish self on the inside of me is like, I don't care what this does to your body. Uh, you're going to enjoy this ice cream right now. That's the foolish self. But the wise self would say, I don't care how much you want to enjoy that ice cream. You're going to think about your family. You're going to think about your wife and your children. And you're going to think about your destiny and you're going to think about your work and you're going to think about your church. 
And, and so I have these conversations with myself where my wise self is trying to convince me not to honor the desires of the foolish self because the foolish self, actually the desires of the foolish self are, are stimulated by Satan himself because he wants to destroy us, right? And so um, when you prioritize pleasure above meaning and communion, that's called addiction. When you prioritize meaning above pleasure and communion, that's called workaholism, obsession. But when you prioritize communion above meaning and pleasure, that's called joy. That's called life. Because if you prioritize communion, you actually get meaning and pleasure in greater abundance than you would have otherwise. You see what I'm saying? So when Paul says here in Philippians chapter 3 that he's pressing toward the mark of the high calling, the mark that he's pressing toward is the mark of communion. If you go back and now listen to what Paul is saying here based on what I just shared with you. He says in, in Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, what do you mean gains, Paul? He's talking about pleasures and meaning that he could have clung to. The status that he was seeking as a Pharisee prior to coming to know Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's literally saying, I am willing to, to dismiss, to reject, and to renounce every form of pleasure and meaning that I might have claimed a right to for this one goal, that I might know Christ. That I might know Christ meaning having communion with Christ. And then he says, I haven't already obtained this, but I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm reaching for this goal. Paul says, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm seeking. When I go to prayer, I'm not... See, this is the, our problem is that even what we have done is we try to spiritualize our pleasure and our meaning. We try to spiritualize it so that even when we do go to prayer, what we're actually doing in prayer is seeking greater meaning or seeking greater pleasure. We're literally asking God, would you allow me to, uh, would you, you know, give me a new, give me the job that I want or, or give me the, uh, the car that I want. Like we're asking God for things and uh, what we're asking him for is not communion, but we're asking him for pleasures and we're asking him for different layers of meaning. And Paul says, no, no, that's not what I'm asking for. What I'm asking for is communion. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you asked God for greater communion? That in your pursuit of God, what you were actually pursuing was God himself and not simply something from God. If you prioritize communion, and this is the word the Lord gave me Friday night, that if you, if you prioritize communion above everything else, you'll never be disappointed. You'll never be discouraged. I saw this with Pastor Robert Daniels, you know, a few years ago. A pastor friend of mine, his wife, became deathly ill. And Pastor Daniels and I went out to the hospital to pray for her at Stanford Medical Center. And um, when we went in the room, I went immediately into warfare for her healing. But he went immediately into communion. And um, there was such a devastation in my heart and mind when we lost her because I was pursuing the goal of her healing 
And when I didn't get what I was pursuing, I was disappointed and I was discouraged. But the goal he was pursuing was communion. And out of that communion, he was making requests for her healing. This is the way Jesus lived, isn't it? He prioritized not his miracles, but communion with the Father. He simply said, all I do, my ministry is just doing what I see the Father doing. But my life is communion with the Father. I want to show you this in, in uh, Genesis chapter 30. Uh, we learn all about Jacob and his children. We know that Jacob was the great patriarch of Israel who had 12 sons. The 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. But how he got those sons, uh, remember he was living in the house of his uncle Laban. He wanted to marry Laban's youngest daughter, Rachel. So he worked seven years for Rachel, but Laban did the old switcheroo on him and threw Leah into the bed with him that night. Apparently he was too drunk to realize that he was consummating his marriage with the wrong woman. He woke up in the morning and Leah was there with her tender eyes uh, looking at him. And uh, he was very, very upset. He goes to Laban and Laban says, you know what? You can marry Rachel too. Just finish this bridal week, but you're going to have to work for me for another seven years. So he finished the bridal week, married Rachel too, worked another seven years. So he worked 14 years. And during that time, um, uh, so uh, Genesis 29, 31 saw, the, the verse says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. So look at this. The Lord sees that Jacob loves Rachel, but doesn't love Leah. And so the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to open up Leah's womb and I'm going to let her have kids. And Leah starts having sons. Like every time Jacob smiles at her, she has a kid, right? Meanwhile, Rachel, she can't have a kid to save her life. Have you ever just felt completely fruitless in a particular area? Like, I just can't produce. And you see everybody around you producing, but you can't produce. This is what it's like to be Rachel. Rachel, she's looking at Leah, and, you know, if Jacob even glances in her direction, she has another son. Rachel, on the other hand, she can't conceive no matter what she do. She, they were probably trying all kinds of ancient remedies and turkey basters and all kinds of stuff, and no, nothing, and it just doesn't work. She can't have a kid no matter what she does. She cannot conceive. I, I want you to get inside the frustration that Rachel experienced. But here's the thing. Uh, verse 30, chapter 30, verse 1 says, When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Okay, pause for a second. God sees that Leah is not loved. Rachel is jealous of the one who is not loved. Why? Because in Rachel's mind, she has prioritized meaning above communion. She has prioritized her status in the family. She has prioritized what she can produce. She has, she has determined that her value is in what she can produce for Jacob, not realizing that if she would just stop and look in Jacob's eyes, in his relationship with her, he prioritizes communion above meaning. You see, uh, there's all of this. If you read Genesis chapter 30, uh, Jacob is just being tossed around like a little rag doll. He's like a pawn. Uh, Rachel gives him her maid, uh, Billa, and then he starts having sons with Billa. And then Leah gives him her maid, 
um, uh, whatever her name is. Um, and then she start, he starts having kids with her. And then uh, Leia has another kid. And then, uh, and, and, and so there's, he's just being tossed around four different women. Three of them are having kids for him every 45 minutes. Rachel is not. Think of this. When Jacob goes to spend time with Leah, it's com I'm sorry, when Jacob goes to spend the night with Rachel, it's a completely different thing for him than when he's with Leah, Billa, or why can't I think of the other one's name? When he's with the others, the goal is to have a kid. That's it. When he's with Rachel, it's about intimacy. He doesn't care if she has a kid or not. He just loves being with her. He doesn't care if she gives him offspring or not. He just loves being with her. And the Lord showed me this on Friday night and said, Benjamin, you're like Rachel to me. And I'm like Jacob to you. I just love being with you. I just love being intimate with you. I just love communing with you. Honestly, I don't care if you produce or not. I don't care if you, you know, lead a whole bunch of people to Christ or not. I don't care if you heal the sick and raise the dead or not. It doesn't matter to me what you produce. I just love being with you. But when you're with me, you're just trying to have a kid. You're just trying to produce. And you're so angry if you don't produce what you want to produce. Rachel says, give me children or I'll die. Rachel, the one who is loved, is jealous of the one who is not loved. Even in the body of Christ, we tend to look at successful people, at people who have achieved great things, and, and our jealousy is provoked. How often are we jealous of the successful, not realizing that we have something that's far better than success? It's love. It's intimacy with God. Rachel did not know how to prioritize communion above meaning. And ultimately, if we don't learn how to prioritize communion above meaning, we destroy ourselves. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is, is really three things. Number one, um, let's see, I wrote it down so I don't forget it. The fear of the Lord is the realization that you live before him inescapably. Number one, it's, it's inescapable. You live before God, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, you live before God. It's not just true for Christians. It's not just true for non-Christians. It's true for every single human being. You live before God and you can run from him, but you can't hide. Number two, the fear of the Lord is the realization that dealing with him is the ultimate concern of your life. That at the end of your life, the only thing that will matter is have you dealt with God. The ultimate concern of your life is your status with God. It's more important than anything. At the end of your life, your status in the world will mean nothing. It's, it's like the, no matter what you've built, it's like the flower that fades. It's like the grass that withers. The, the flowers fall and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord stands forever. At the end of the day, dealing with him is the ultimate concern of your life. And number three, the fear of the Lord is the realization that he is holy. I mean, he is holy, which means he is different which means his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. That as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts and his ways 
than our ways. I can't escape God. I can run, but I can't hide. I can't pretend that I don't know that he's there. The beginning of wisdom is the decision to live wholly and fully before the Lord and to deal with whatever hinders you from doing so. The fear of the Lord is the realization that you will either deal with God or God will deal with you. The fear of the Lord is what drives us to prioritize communion above everything else. And this is the beauty of it. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Why? Because if I begin with the fear of the Lord and I recognize that the number one priority and the ultimate concern of my life is God, once I deal with him, once I come into right relationship with him, and once I learn how to orient my life towards him each and every day and find communion with him, every other component of my life comes together. You see, a teaching that I did years ago, and I learned this from Pastor Robert Daniels. Actually, he said he learned it from me, so I don't know. Maybe it just came from God. But all of us live in four different houses. Your first house is your physical body. Paul talks about this house of flesh and blood. Your second house is your physical house where you live with your family. Your third house is the house of God, the church, the body of Christ. And then the fourth house is the world, meaning your job and your school and every other relationship in the world. What happens in any one of those houses is always based upon what happens in the house beneath. If there's a problem in your ability to relate to people in the workplace, it's typically because you're not experiencing true and full discipleship in the house of God, in the church. And if you're not learning how to relate well in the body of Christ, it's probably because there's a problem in your family, in your, in your literal family life. And if there's a major problem in your family life, it's almost definitely because there's something going on in your intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Meaning that you've got to start with the first house before you can fix the second house. And you've got to start with the second house before you can fix the third house. And you've got to start with the third house before you can fix the fourth house. And what happens in the first house? Intimacy with God. Oneness with Him. Coming to Him and dealing with Him. Recognizing that He is my ultimate concern. So we're going to press toward the mark of the high calling. We're going to draw near to God in full assurance of faith, as the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. We're going to draw near to God in full assurance of faith. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days aright so that we might obtain a heart of wisdom. If we don't understand that there's a particular number to our days, that all of us have a particular number to our days, and that our ultimate concern in those numbers, in that number of days, is to deal with God. That is the key to obtaining a heart of wisdom. So I want to go back to the initial question. What do you want? What do you want? And in answering the question, what do you want, distinguish between the wants of your foolish and wise selves. Matter of fact, it might even be good to, for you to just take a piece of paper and write down foolish self, wise self, and write down all of the things that your foolish self wants 
and write down all of the things that your wise self wants and then put it up on your wall and every day evaluate at the end of every day, did I honor the desires of my foolish self today or did I honor the desires of my wise self today? And let's make a decision to learn. Today, I wanna to provoke your resolve that, that God wants to send a new wind of the spirit to run in this next leg of the journey, but to understand that what we're running toward is God. Not more money, not a greater economy, not even a better church, but God, God himself. You see, the, let me tell you, we are at this place in online church where the novelty is dead, right? We're, the, the honeymoon period is over. We're not seeing even the same number of people coming to our services that we were in the beginning, right? The novelty is gone. The, the, the thrill of it, you know, ooh, this is cool. This good, The coolness of it is worn out. Now we have to make decisions to discipline ourselves to be full disciples of Jesus in an online church context, right? Because going to church online can be like going to a buffet. I heard Pastor Ryan Longfield say this last Sunday evening. Going to a, a church online can be like going to a buffet and watching other people eat and then leaving, <laughs> not eating yourself. You can just watch the service and let the service pass right by over you. But are you truly pursuing discipleship of Jesus? Are you simply satisfying a religious obligation of just to be able to say, I went to a service? When the worship is, when the worship team is worshiping online, are you lifting your hands and are you worshiping Jesus with all your heart? Or are you just watching and going, hey, that was cool. Hey, that was cool. Nice graphic. Oh, nice transition. Oh, that was cool. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. What are we prioritizing? Is it the meaning of, of the coolness of the graphics or is it the communion with God? You see, we can even allow a Sunday worship service to pass right by us and experience no communion with God because we were not intentional about pressing toward that mark, about reaching for that goal. If you don't make it the goal of your life, if you don't make it the number one concern of your heart, you'll never press toward it. And if you don't press toward listen to breakthrough, you must press on, you must press on to breakthrough. You must press through in order to break through. But what I want to provoke your resolve to do today is make fellowshipping with God your number one priority and the number one cry of your heart. And for some of you, it's like, I have no idea how to do this. Listen, the first way to do it, the first way to learn how to do it is simply to make it your number one concern and to make it the priority. We'll figure out how later, but make it your priority. Communion, more than meaning, more than pleasure. Communion, communion with God, walking with him, knowing him. And you know what's beautiful is at the end of Rachel's life, the Lord remembered her. It says in... Uh, Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. After all the other 10 sons were born to the other three women, Genesis 30, 22 says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. And Rachel would end up having two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And those two sons, here, she felt she was unfruitful and unproductive and and. You know, she was jealous of all the others because they could have babies and she, she couldn't. But it turns out that the greatest blessing God could have given her was allowing her to conceive last. Those last two sons of Jacob, they received more honor than all the other 10 sons. And there was a greater divine purpose over their lives than all the other 10 sons as well. At the end of the day, you can't even say Rachel was less fruitful than the others. At the end of the day, when you prioritize communion and love, you get more meaning and you get more pleasure. 
than if you do it the other way around. So often we don't prioritize communion because we're afraid of the loss of meaning and the loss of pleasure, when in fact it's the other way around. If we lose communion, we've lost everything else. Amen? As Pastor Jeremy makes his way up here to join me, he's going to pray with me today. They're downstairs watching in the living room. Uh, let's just bow our heads and bow our hearts. and Let's just pray. And let's just... Let's just respond to God in our hearts. Precious Heavenly Father, I speak your blessing today over these sons and daughters of yours. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would settle upon every heart and upon every soul and that you would grant clarity. Lord, I thank you that we cannot come to you unless you first draw us. And so I pray this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would sense you drawing us, that we would begin to hear the call of your spirit, that you're drawing us and that you're calling us to come and that the response of our hearts would be, yes, Lord, I can hear my Savior calling. I'm coming to you. Lord, in the ways in which we have prioritized meaning and pleasure, I pray you'd forgive us. In the times and seasons in which we've been like Rachel, wanting so badly to conceive. God, that's been me in so many different ways. I want so badly to conceive. I want so badly to be fruitful. And Lord, I've even said to you at times, give me children or I'll die. Lord, I said it about Aletheia before Sonny and I were able to conceive a child. If you don't give me a child, I'll die. I've said it about ministry. I've said it about my finances in different seasons of my life. But Lord, I confess today that it's all rubbish that at the end of the day, it's all worthless. And that the only thing of value, true value, eternal value, is knowing you. And so right now, those of you who are watching, listening, praying with us, maybe you're watching today and you've never invited Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Mm. Or maybe you did at one point in your life, but your, your heart turned away from him. This is a great opportunity to come back to come back to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And what coming back to him simply means is what I've talked about in this message, recognizing that he loves you. He loves you above all things. He loves you more than your offering, more than your service, more than what he can get from your life. He doesn't love you simply because he wants to use you. He loves you because he created you. He loves you because he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you're ready in your heart to simply receive respond and reciprocate that love to him. I'm going to ask you to just pray this simple prayer with me. Yes, Lord. Would you just say out loud with your mouth, Father, Father I, come to you. I come to you. In the name of your son, Jesus, In the name of your son, Jesus I know you are drawing me. I know you are drawing me. And my heart says yes. My heart says yes. I open my heart to you. Come in. Come in. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Fill me. Fill me. 
and make me yours. And make me yours. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now listen, if you prayed that simple prayer with us today, I just want you to write in the chat, right on this video, I prayed the prayer so that we can be praying for you and so that we can be encouraging you in your journey with Christ. It's just a simple step. Mm -hmm. But I don't want you to keep this moment a secret. I want you to share, I prayed the prayer. And if you do that, I believe that I know you're going to have a body of believers mm -hmm. to encourage and strengthen you in the journey. Amen? Amen. So good. Amen. Pastor so Jeremy, good. So good. what are you hearing? Yeah. You know, I, I hear, oh man, it's crazy. I know it's hard because what I'm about to ask is, is difficult, but you know, PB, when you were preaching towards the end, I just heard the Lord say, you know, some, some people in the house need to fast. Mm. When you were talking about mm. putting communion above the meaning yeah. and the pleasure. And then I understood at that moment, life all went off. Mm. This is the power in fasting. Right. This is why fasting is powerful because yeah. you are intentionally saying, you know that thing that took a lot of pleasure in Lord? Mm. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna put it on the table, mm. and I'm gonna say your communion. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, and truly say your communion with you, God. My communion with you, God, truly is higher than that. So good. And I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna through that action. I'm going to experience both the meaning mm. and the pleasure through it. Right. And I didn't even partake in that other part that I thought was what mm. gave me pleasure. That's so. Good. And I will experience the truth of the power of the presence of God. That's so good. Mm. That's good because the Bible, the Old Testament especially, talks about fasting as the affliction of the soul. Yeah, right? yeah You yeah. shall afflict your soul. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that was referred to as the affliction of the soul in the Old Testament was the Sabbath. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And notice what God says, no work in it shall you do. That's right. I mean, that's, right. that's the acquisition of meaning right. through work, right. Right? right? status. Right. And God says, you're mm. not gonna work you're going to prioritize communion with me. Yes. What are you going to do yes. on the Sabbath? Yes. You're going to sit. They prepared all their meals ahead of time. Yeah. You're yeah. going to sit. You're going to eat. So good. You're going to revel in my presence. Yeah. You're going to quote the Bible. So good. You know? That's it. You're not going to study. You're not going to work on projects. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to try to produce anything. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Like literally, he wrote it into their schedule. Yeah. That one seventh of all of their time. Yeah, that's so good. Would simply be the prioritization of communion. So good. And he said, you, you shall afflict your souls. It's an affliction of the soul yeah, yeah. to prioritize communion with God above all things. Because yeah. it's counterintuitive. It really is. It's counterintuitive because by doing the simplest thing, mm. you're doing the most productive thing. Yeah. But in our mind, that, that's foolishness. Yeah. But, but the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Right. And so we have to, we have to create new brain pathways and, 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 and go and do these these um, these uh, structured things that help us learn it yep. so that we don't fall into that oh well my logic tells me that doesn't make sense that's not productive right but in the spirit then we know that actually through communion like you said pb that's the greatest way that's the most productive yep. way to receive that meaning and that pleasure exactly but of course in the mind it's like well i'm just sitting right hanging out with god i'm not that's not that's not meaningful that's not productive yeah but we but but, but yeah. that, that's in God's infinite wisdom that it actually is. You know when I experienced that really acutely was on my sabbatical last year. Yeah, yeah. The hardest thing for me on that sabbatical yeah. 
was the Lord told me not to work. <laughs> not to do anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I was thinking of all these projects. Now I'm going to have the time to do this project and that project. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to write a book. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to make a bunch of videos and edit them. I'm going to do, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I had yeah. all of these things that I was going to do. Mm. And uh, the Lord told me at the beginning of the sabbatical, yeah, yeah. nothing, no projects. Wow. No wow. writing, wow. no creating, no producing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so hard, Jeremy. Yeah. So hard because yeah. everything inside me says you've got to be productive. Amen. Yeah. There's something yeah. on the inside of us that sees our value and what mm. we're able to produce mm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or what we're able to obtain. And that's the pleasure piece. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, the last thing I'll say, uh, PB, is just to piggyback off of that is that I think God is reminding us just in general to not just with him, but with any person yeah. relationship right. is actually the most fulfilling thing. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that is the thing that actually, like you mentioned earlier, you can take with you. What right. can you bring with you mm. when we pass from this life? Yeah. When we have to stand before God, right. it's our relationships. God will ask, how did you relate to me? Yeah. And also, how did you love your neighbor? Yeah. What did, how did you relate right. to my to, to my people? How did you relate to to your brothers and sisters? That's really what it is. That's the only two things that, exactly. in essence, God really cares about. Exactly. That's the great commandment. And right? so, if it's two relationships, of course, the greater one is always with Him first. Right. But then it's also the one with people. Mm -hmm. But then again, those two things we would never put that under you know meaning and, and pleasure. Yeah. It's it's communion. It's communion with right. Him, and it's communion with one another in love. You see, Nicole. The Lord don't need to tell me twice not to work. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, Nicole, I think you you probably prioritize pleasure. <laughs> you got a response for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, too funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, so good, so yeah. good. Yeah. That, the lifestyle that prioritizes pleasure is called hedonism. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the lifestyle that prioritizes meaning. You mentioned earlier was workaholism. Workaholism, obsession. There's got to be another word for it. Probably a better word. But prioritizing, yeah. Yeah. prioritizing communion with God. It's extremely rare, even for believers, yeah. to find someone whose life is the prioritization mm -hmm. of fellowship with God above all things. Yeah. And you know, the Lord has been taking me back to my childhood and reminding me of, of these moments where I just hid myself to seek his face yeah. and reminded me, Benjamin, mm. what mm. I loved about those moments is you had no ministry, you had no position, you had no title. Yeah. You just wanted to be with me. Amen. And that's what Amen. I want most from you, Benjamin, Yeah. is that you would come to be with me. I remember I was, I was getting ready to preach a revival when I was a college student and I was crying out to God for miracles, signs and wonders and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it felt like the Lord had put a wall in front of me. Like he wasn't talking to me. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna respond to that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, Lord, I, I don't get it. Why? Why are you not responding to me? Why are you not speaking to me? And the Lord mm. spoke to me and said, um, How long will you seek my hands? Yeah. When will you look up into my face? Amen. Mm. We're not told to seek His hands. We're told to seek His face. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah. It's like that difference, PB, between like being a servant in the house yeah. and being a son in the house. Right. You know, the one that prioritizes communion yeah. is the one that acts like right. a son, lives yeah. like a son. The one that prioritizes the meaning, even though it's a good thing, yeah. you're not really living like a son. You're, that's the that's the, the, the parables. That's, you're, yeah, you're a servant in the house. That's Luke 15, right? Yeah. The older son prioritized meaning. Yep. The younger son prioritized pleasure. Yeah. 
And the craziest part of that story that I love is that when the prodigal son came back and the older son was upset, he started listing off all the meaningful things that he did. He said, I've, I've always worked hard for you. I've never taken a day off. I've always been faithful and you've never done anything for me. You never even gave me a goat. And you know what the crazy part is? The answer that the father gave him. This part blew my mind. People. Right. He said, my son, you know that everything that I have First he says, yeah. I am always with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, I'm always Communion. with you. Communion. Yep. And he said already, everything, everything that I have, I have is, yours. is already yours. Meaning. Yeah. You already have it. <laughs> you already have it. Exactly. You already have the meaning. Exactly. You already have the pleasure. Right. You don't have to earn it. I already yeah. have it for you. Yes. It's been yours always. Exactly. But you didn't do number one. You've yeah. always had two and three. Right. It's always here. It's always that, that's, here. That's good. That's good. It's always here. That's good. That's really what the story is about. The older son prioritizes meaning. The younger son prioritizes pleasure. Yeah. yeah. But the father is trying to bring both of them into the place of communion. Right. He's that's simply so good. trying yeah, to yeah. bring them two, into the house. Three. That was it. Yep, that's it. And neither of them wanted communion. Yep, that's it right there. Yep. Yep. And the younger son had to lose all of his pleasures to before the father could bring him into the house to, to have communion. communion. Yep. And when he came back and was brought into the place of communion, mm -hmm. the pleasures were restored to him. That's right. Right. And then the second son, because he felt like the younger son took meaning from him, mm -hmm. he lost all of his drive because right. he's like, well, what's the point of what I'm doing? Exactly. Now what I'm doing has no meaning. Right. Look, look, now it's purposeless because mm -hmm. he earned everything I was trying to go for, but right. he didn't do a cent. He right. didn't lift a finger. Right. Now all my work is meaningless. Yep. And the father said, no, you missed the whole point too. You missed it. Your work becomes most meaningful mm -hmm. after you commune with me. Exactly. So come into the party, mm -hmm. come in and eat with us, yep. and then you'll understand why your work is meaningful. Right. And what's crazy is that the younger son who loses everything yeah. willingly comes into the house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the parable ends with the older son. You didn't make a choice yet. You don't, you don't know what the answer is. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. Jesus ends the parable before the yeah. older son replies. Yeah, he has to make a choice. Meaning he's looking at the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They are the older son in the parable. That's the meaning. And he's saying how you respond, that's how the older son responds. Like your response yeah. finishes the parable. That's right. And so you got to finish the parable. That's good. Mm. Finish the parable. That's, that's the word that's of the Lord to you and I today. That's good finish word. the parable. That's a good word. If you want to finish the Luke 15 parable, you've got to respond to God. Yeah. Are you willing to come into the house? That's good. Mm. Amen. PB&J podcast. <laughs> I just, what do you I just think? read what do you that. Think? Can we do it? Can I said, that, that's, a, that's got a good ring to it. I'm not like going to lie. I like it. I'm not going to lie. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's got, that's got a good ring to it. <laughs> oh, man. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, God bless you, everyone. Yes. Uh, we're going to officially uh, just close this service in prayer. I'm going to ask Pastor Jeremy just to uh, close us in prayer. And uh, go ahead. All right. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for just this moment in time where, Lord, you would meet us this morning. That, Lord, every Sunday morning, when we choose to make space for you and invite you in, you always say yes, God, because you desire communion with us more than we do with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for being here with us. This truly is the most beautiful thing that we could have, God, is communion with you. Yes, God. And so, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't have the mindset where this only exists on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. 
between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. That, Lord, this becomes the highest priority, the highest joy in our life, God. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and you would touch every person who is with us this morning that can hear the sound of this stream. You would touch our hearts, Holy Spirit, and begin to renew our priorities, begin to renew our focus, and renew our heart's desire, first for your communion, then for meaning, and then for pleasure. Reorient our heart, God, into the truly wise order that you've created us to be in the first place. Would you instill in us, God, the true meaning of what it is to fear you, God, so that we can live in wisdom. Lord, show us what it means to live like sons and daughters and not like servants of the house. That's right. Because you've told us your business. Jesus said, you are my friends. You're not servants because I've told you my business. Yes, God. And Lord, you have definitely included us. You're inviting us into communion because you want to invite us into your story. Yes, God. So Lord, let us live like sons and daughters this this week. this The rest of this month, I don't know, Lord, just challenge us, God. I believe that. Mm. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Mm. Have a wonderful day. Amen. May the joy of the Lord be your strength.